Would you turn with me in your Bible this morning to Exodus chapter 4? Exodus chapter 4. Now, Exodus is a big book, so let me give you a recap of the first three chapters so far. A bunch of women deliver some Hebrew babies. Check. Chapter 2. A bunch more women. Moses' mother, Moses' sister Miriam, Pharaoh's daughter, deliver some Hebrew children. Check. Exodus chapter 3. God says, I'm going to go and I'm going to deliver the people. Check. Chapter 4. God says, Moses, I'm going to, I've used these women. I've used this woman. I'm going, I'm going to use you. And Moses says, I'm no good. Go find someone else. We're going to pick Moses' brain this morning and see what's going on, what truths God would have us to hear. So let's keep that trajectory in mind, and let's pray this morning. Gracious Father, you've given us your word, and your word is something powerful. Not only does it create the heavens and the earth, but it calls men and women to faith. It builds us up. It strengthens us. Father, your word does wonderful things. I pray this morning that you would give me a mouth to speak your word clearly and give each one of us here ears to hear that we may write these truths on our hearts and be saved and be sanctified and be comforted this morning. Father, we ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. We're going to start in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Then Moses answered, But behold, they will not believe me or listen to my voice. For they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. And the Lord said to him, What is that in your hand? And he said, A staff. And, the, and he said, Throw it on the ground. So he threw it on the ground, and it became a serpent. And Moses ran from it. But the Lord said to Moses, Put out your hand and catch it by the tail. And so he put out his hand and caught it, and it became a staff in his hand. That they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Now again the Lord said to him, Put your hand inside your cloak. And he put his hand inside his cloak, and when he took it out, behold, his hand was leprous like snow. Then God said, put your hand back inside your cloak. So he put his hand back inside his cloak. And when he took it out, behold, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. If they will not believe you, God said, or listen to the first sign, they may believe the latter sign. And if they will not believe even these two signs, or listen to your voice. You shall take some water from the Nile and pour it on dry ground. And the water that you shall take from the Nile will become blood on the dry ground. But Moses said to the Lord, Oh, my Lord, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant. But I am slow of speech and of tongue. Then the Lord said to him, who has made man's mouth? 
Who makes him mute or deaf or seen or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with your mouth, and I will teach you what you shall speak. But he said, Oh, my Lord, please send someone else. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses, and he said, Is there not Aaron, your brother, the Levite? I know that he can speak well. Behold, he is coming out to meet you, and when he sees you, he will be glad in his heart. You shall speak to him and put the words in his mouth, and I will be with your mouth and with his mouth and will teach you both what to do. He shall speak for you to the people. He shall be your mouth, and you shall be as God to him. And take in your hand this staff with which you shall do the signs. We're going to stop reading right there this morning. Kangi was an angry, bitter young man in Africa who was converted under the the missionary work of a lady everyone called Mama. Now, Kangi became her faithful goat herder and served her for many years until one day tragedy struck. Kangi developed leprosy, and Mama could not help him. With no hope in sight, she sent poor Kangi 200 miles away to a leper's colony. Kangi looked her in the eye, and he said, The missionary Mama loves her goat boy when he's strong and healthy, but, and she cut him off. Mama stopped him and said, Don't you see what God has called you to? Don't you see that God has trained you in his word and put his love in your heart? Don't you see that God may have a mighty work for you, even in a leprous colony? There was no reply from Kangi. Kangi boarded the truck for his long journey, and never once did he look back at Mama, or anyone else. Kangi was defeated. A useless shell of a man. Kangi was no good for Mama and no good for God. Have you ever felt no good? In our age of mainstream media, the world has a good way of making the average Joe feel less than average. The problems in this world are just too big for a no-good person to solve. But we really don't need the news to tell us that, do we? We instinctively feel it. Do you know how many times I've heard people make excuses for their children? And what they're saying is, I'm no good. How I've seen men and women beat around the bush on their divorces and their exes because deep in their heart they feel like they're no good. Some people bat around their education and their status in life. They say, Zach, I have no mind. I've lost it. Can you help me find it? I'm no good. We don't have to be exiled to a leper's colony to feel like Kongi, do we? It's something we all instinctively feel. So let's ask, how do you think Moses felt this morning? If we were honest, the answer would be 
no good. And all the same ways we feel no good. Look at Moses' first objection this morning. Probably the most common. They will not believe me, nor will they listen to me. You know, we've discussed Moses' life, haven't we? And Moses would not be my go-to reference for conflict resolution. Moses did not settle well in Egypt. And if we were to look at our own life, most people would have little reason to listen to us. I like to watch the Dilbert, I like to read the Dilbert comics. Uh, and there's a one comic where a man walks into Dilbert's office and he says, can I give you some advice? And Dilbert says, well, judging from the quality of your life, I would think not. To which the guy said, hey, 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 leave my personal life out of it. And Dilbert says, well, let's talk about the horrible quality of your work. You see, the man was no good. He could give no advice. And we instinctively believe what's said in John 9, that God doesn't listen to sinners. Who are we to speak on God's behalf? We're no good. The question is, how does, Mo, how does God respond to this objection? And you notice that God gives signs. If I can repeat what I said earlier. Signs confirm God's word. A true definition of a miracle is a sign or wonder that confirms divine revelation. If you bought a lottery ticket and you won, you can't say, it's a miracle. Isn't that what you expected to happen? You expected to win a lottery ticket. That's not a miracle. A miracle is a sign or wonder that confirms God's word. And inherent in these signs is the fact that some people will not listen. Did not God say last chapter that Pharaoh would harden his heart against God's word? And all of these signs attack that very mentality of Pharaoh. If you go and you study Egypt, maybe you remember King Tut. He had a snake for a crown. They had snakes for staffs. The snakes were a symbol of power. But what does Moses do for the snake? Well, first he runs, which is probably the most truest statement I've read in a couple of days. Secondly, Moses grabs it by the tail. That's to say that the power of Egypt is fully in God's hands. The leprosy, the Nile, all of these signs are signs against Pharaoh and his mentality. But these signs validate the power of God's message. Health, wealth, power, these are things at God's disposal. So we have to ask a very fundamental question that we're going to come back to over and over. Where does the power lie? Is it in the no good messenger or the good message? Moses says it's in the no good messenger. God, they won't listen to me. Nothing to do with the message. But where does the problem lie? Is it in the no good messenger or the message? Now you may be saying, Zach, if I was brave enough to reach down and pick up a snake by the tail, I would go tell Pharaoh what's up. I would just go. I would need nothing else. But the fact of the matter is, let's take an honest assessment of our own life. How often are we telling other people about Christ? How often are we telling the people the truth of the Bible? 
Do you know that we have more evidence, more signs, and more wonders confirmed in this book than most of the stuff that passes as truth on the news today? Let that sink in for a moment. And yet deep down in our hearts, what do we talk about more? Is it because we put more stock in the no good messenger versus the good message? Moses feels this tension, doesn't he? You see, in his second objection, not only will they not listen, but Moses acknowledges that he has no good ability. Uh, he says, more or less, God, I can't, I can't speak no gooder or more better. What is Moses doing? He's keeping his eye on the messenger. If you want to be blunt and read between the lines, what Moses is telling God is, God, you're making a big mistake. Don't you have a better hiring process than this? God, you're making a really stupid decision. That's not the kind of thing I'd like to tell God. But don't you think that God prepares us for moments like this? God puts it very pointedly. Who formed you? Was it not I, the Lord, that God planned Moses' life in the same way that we see Paul in Galatians 2, where Paul says, God set me apart from the womb. With all of his failures and his fables, with all his successes and his education, God had prepared Paul and God had prepared Moses just for this moment. It reminds me of a man named Will Willer Lipes. Willer Lipes. He was an electrocardiographer in the Navy. He was on a submarine thousands of miles from the nearest hospital. And Dean Rector developed acute appendicitis. Now, if you want to know what my biggest fear is, it is acute appendicitis. Horrifying. But they're thousands of miles away. Willer had seen three appendicitis appendectomy appendixes removed let's go for that I'll hear about that one for a couple of days he had seen it done two or three times and he says guys it's time he said Dean if I don't do it you're going to die Dean said do it now, they're on a submarine they lay, lay Dean on a table all of the nurses were Willer's superiors they used tablespoons they used knives from the kitchen. They used rags and gas masks and pajamas and ether to do this procedure on this man. He would say, I need two more tablespoons. I need more lights. I need more ether. Look at this man's face. He's waking up. When they got done and they took off their sweat-soaked pajamas, it took them two and a half hours to do a 45-minute procedure. And Dean Rector woke up 30 minutes later and he says, Guys, I'm still pitching. Don't you think that God prepared, prepared Wheeler for that moment? Just in that time, to be in that submarine, in that place, with that amount of knowledge, to cut out an appendix. Do you not think he prepared Moses? The education he had in Egypt, the time he spent with his parents, 
his knowledge of the land, the knowledge of the language, the knowledge of his deliverance, the maturity he had among the shepherds. Did not God prepare Moses for this? And don't you think Moses knew what he knew? Moses knew that he was qualified. But Moses says, I can't speak good. Moses struggles with the no good messenger. And what I love about this is God doesn't say, I will be with you. God says, I will be with your mouth. God chooses to be with Moses' weakest member. Because the important thing is not the no good messenger. The important thing is the good message. God isn't looking for perfect men. God isn't looking for qualified men. He's looking for men who will go. And too often today we say, I can't. I don't have a seminary education. I don't speak well. I don't know what to say. But yet God gives us the same promise that he will be with our mouth. He says in Luke, when they drag you in front of synagogues and governors, don't worry about what you have to speak. It will be the Holy Spirit who speaks. Has not God written his words on our heart? Has not God formed us and placed us in Hines County just for this particular reason? It's not about the no good messenger. It's about the good message. And yet of all of Moses' objections, you know, they don't listen, I can't speak good. It's really the third one that we all relate with more than any other. For Moses says, Lord, please send someone else. Moses didn't want to go. You know, I remember hearing of a preacher who said, Who will go? And one man stood up and he said, Lord, send me and use me in an advisory capacity. That's what you call a prayer of noncommittal. Lord, I don't want to do anything. Just let me supervise. How do you think the Lord feels about that prayer of noncommittal? How do you think God felt about Moses' prayer of noncommittal? I mean, God prepared Moses for decades. And then Moses looks at him and says, I'll pass. What if we trained our, we sent our kids to college? Is college cheap? It sure ain't, is it? I know. And then for your kid to say, no, I'm good. I'm going to go flip burgers all day. Yeah, that would be an irate parent, wouldn't it? And yet, here is Moses saying the same thing to God. And it says that the Lord's anger was kindled against Moses. How would you feel if you were God in that moment? What would you do? I would kick Moses to the curb, lickety-split. He'd be out of here. But is that what God does? No. His anger actually moves him closer to Moses. And he says, let me provide for you, Aaron. That God condescends to meet Moses where he is. We see the same thing in Jesus. For three and a half years, he gave the disciples the best seminary education on the market. He ate with them, he talked with them, he prayed with them, and in his time of need, they're gone. And Luke points out, 
that after Peter's third denial, he locked eyes with Jesus. Can you imagine what was going through Jesus' mind? What would go through your mind? For me, it would be, you no good piece of trash. And you see that when Jesus is resurrected, the angels speak to the women, and the angels say, go tell the disciples and tell Peter. Now, how is Peter feeling? You know that anxiety you feel when you've been called to the principal's office? Or when your boss calls and you know he never calls, he calls you by name? That doesn't feel well, does it? And yet, many commentators have pointed out something about what Jesus does. You go to John chapter 21, and our translations, even the faithful King James butchers this. Jesus, Peter swims off the boat, comes to Jesus, and Jesus looks at Peter and he says, do you love me? Really what Jesus says is, do you agape me? Agape is a sacrificial love. And Peter says, no, I phileo you. Phileo is the love that you have for a friend. Jesus a second time says, do you agape me? And Peter says, Lord, I phileo you. Peter can't make that kind of commitment. Now, what does Jesus say? Jesus a third time says, Peter, do you phileo me? And Peter says, Lord, you know I phileo you. And then Jesus says, well, tend my sheep. Jesus doesn't tell Peter to get up here. Jesus tells Peter, I will meet you where you are. And when the Lord's anger is kindled against Moses, what does he do? He meets Moses where he is. He sends him Aaron. And today, God has given us someone who loves us much more than Aaron loved Moses. He gave us someone who speaks with greater authority. He has given us Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ speaks to us with a greater love and he tells us greater things. He is both our God and our prophet, revealing to us our salvation and the great love that God has for us. And today, we say, I have nothing to offer. No one will listen. But is it not the Spirit who performs many signs and wonders, opening the eyes and the ears and the hearts of those we speak to? We say, Zach, I've got no ability. I'm not educated. Well, if a few fishermen can do it, then what are we? It wasn't the quality of the fishermen. It was the quality of the message. And is it not the Spirit that gives us the words to speak? And many times we simply say, Zach, I don't want to. But is it not Christ who without batting an eye left heaven and came and died for us? That before the foundation of the world took sinners upon himself, did not struggle, did not hesitate, was not forced, did not have anyone to turn his arm. There is not ice water running through his veins. And his love should melt the ice water flowing through ours. I encourage you today to speak. It's not the quality of the messenger. It's the quality of the message. Don't waste your address here on Port Gibson.
Newman Road, Newman Road, Newman Road, all of you live next to each other. Vicksburg, Louisiana, don't waste your address. Don't waste your ability. God prepared all the events in your life to bring you to this point. Paul's education and his persecution. Moses' murder and his training in Egypt. God used all of it for this moment. What has he done in your life and prepared you for this point? And don't waste your age. The sands of time are sinking. The days are getting shorter. God has brought us to this point. I'd encourage all of you to go home. Start with the ones in your own household. Don't just say, you do Jesus and I'll do Jesus and I'll meet you in heaven. Talk to your spouse. Talk to your children. Start there. Do you love Christ? Have you made a confession of faith? Will he let you into heaven because of your faith in him? Have you been baptized? Are you a member? Are you serving Christ? Are you loving him? God has prepared us for this moment. He uses a lot of no good messengers to proclaim his good message. In closing, let me pick up on Kangi. Mama would go visit Kangi one day. She'd make the 200-mile trek and see Kangi in the leopard camp. And when she got there, she'd see this, she saw this deformed woman. And the woman said, Mama, you told me about Jesus one time, but I was beautiful. And I did not care to listen. But now I'm here. And Kangi came. I went to Kangi. I complained to him. I told him my bitterness. And he understood because he had felt it too. And then he told me about the one who cares for me, even when no one else seems to care. Mama, this time my heart was open to the love of Christ. I knew I needed it, and I could trust in myself no longer. Kongi, the no good, leprosy-ridden goat boy, had men and women constantly leaving his house because of the good news of Jesus Christ. The leopard-written one. Now what about the well-qualified? What about the doctors? Well, Mama met one of the doctors, and the doctor said, you know, I came here to help people, to help these animals. And one day I saw all these people going back and forth to this hut, and I thought they were up to no good. So I went and listened. And it was your boy, Kongi. And I said to myself, these animals can read. And he was reading the New Testament to them. And it was the first time I've gone to church my entire life. It was the first time that I'd actually heard that Jesus died for my sins. And he looked at Mama with tears in his eyes and he said, I was the one who needed something. And Kongi was the one who could give it to me. Kangi showed me Jesus Christ and I was saved. And everyone counts it a privilege to live in this leper colony. And before she left, he said, I want to show you something. And he pulled out of his pocket a small black book. And she opened it. And it was a New Testament. And written in the top, it said, To Kangi from Mama. Keep loving Jesus. That's it. It's not about the messenger. It's about the message. 
Each of us here have the same objections as Moses. Congi had them. I've had them. You've had them. It's not about the messenger. It's about the message. What have you done in your past that the blood of Jesus cannot overcome? What weakness do you have that the Spirit cannot overpower? What hardness of heart can Christ not melt? The same God who strengthened Peter, who strengthened Moses, who strengthened Kangi, and strengthened us. And only in His strength can we proclaim the good message. Let us pray. Gracious Father, I pray we just honor those few words written in that New Testament. Keep loving Jesus. Father, take our eyes off of ourselves and help us to love him and to proclaim his message. In Christ's name I pray. Amen.